Welcome back to the Key in the Late Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from my basement on Friday, March 3rd. And good morning to you as I'm having a nice sip of coffee out of a mug from Good Beer Hunting, a website I had contributed for in the past. Um, today is a little bit of a different podcast, and I wanted to do a quick little intro because it's not necessarily the quality of audio that we are used to putting out here at the Key in the Lake Studios, but uh, the other night over at Delilah's, which is a world-famous whiskey bar here in the great city of Chicago, I had an event with Drammers, which is one of the really, I would say, premier clubs of the whiskey spirits world. Uh, Charlie Prince, who started the club a number of years back, has now grown to have clubs all across the world and doing barrel picks, not just in whiskey, but in all sorts of spirits and spirits from all walks of life in all parts of the world, which is really interesting and really inspiring, I think, when it comes to aggregating a group of people, like-minded people that want to talk about whiskey, talk about spirits, and find it when it's at its best, when it brings people together. So that's what I was doing on Friday night. I'm a brand ambassador for a distillery called Star Ward, which is based out of Melbourne, Australia. Not sure if you knew that or have ever heard, heard of it, but I've been working with the company now for about four years, and we record. I recorded the audio, uh, well, the evening, I should say, for uh, my event with Drammers. It was about an hour and a half event that I did talking about Star Wars, presenting the brand, and we tried seven or eight different whiskeys that evening uh, involving the cult, the core lineup, some single barrel picks, one of those single barrel picks being Delilah's single barrel, which is still available if you'd like to purchase it for, I believe, $70 at the bar. Um, we also had a barrel pick from a group called the Enthusiastic Whiskey Hobbyist, which uh, many of those members are also part of Chicago Drammers. And so they're at the event. They brought their bottle. We tasted that out. Um, and I think people who never had it were very impressed by it. But uh, getting back to the audio situation, it is a little bit loud. I was wearing a lapel microphone. Um, you can't really adjust the audio on your iPhone when recording. And plus, I was talking to a room of about 30 to 35 people that were spread out between the whole upstairs of Delilah. So I was kind of shouting, if you will. Um, It's funny that some of the people who ask questions, the audio from them, and they're standing about 10, 15 feet away from me, sounds much more clear and precise and at the right mode of volume than it is me wearing this microphone, uh, kind of not yelling, but talking very loudly and projecting out on uh, out to the audience, if you will. But uh, it kind of shows you behind the glimpse of what it's like to be a brand ambassador for the whiskey world and what we do really on a daily basis. Did three of the, I'll be doing three of these events um, by the end of this weekend, which will be up in Galena. It's recording some podcasts with the Blum Brothers, who are hosting Galena Whiskey Weekend, along with Tim from Family Beer and Liquor. Be an awesome uh, one-day festival on Saturday, hanging out with uh, a bunch of people in the industry tonight over it at the Blum Bros Distillery. Matt Brown will make his return, if you will, to the Blums and to me. And maybe even to your ears later next week. But uh, it should be a really fun weekend. But just for this uh, episode, yeah, it's a little bit different. If you make it through it, uh, if you don't make it through it, I totally understand. The audio is not the, like I said, the best quality that we usually put out. But it was still a really fun time. I think it shows some insights into what it's like to be a brand ambassador, uh, to be a part of these events, um, and also just what it's like to drink Star Wars. So if you have a bottle of Star Wars at home, why don't you pour yourself a little bit of that while you listen to this episode. And I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Cheers, guys. 
with that, you know, we'll turn over the drink. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, guys, let's clap. Should I stand here, Paul? like that um what's that tap dance uh back in my earlier days the YMC I believe I did um so I'm Jake Hookie I know a lot of people in here some familiar faces um some new faces which is awesome I am Star Wars uh, ambassador for the central states I was the first U.S. employee of Star Wars that we hired four years ago when we launched back here in the U.S. and it's been a really fun uphill battle building an Australian whiskey brand in America um, and it's been uh, a great pleasure to working for this company. Definitely as a city that we say, you know, a city of big shoulders, I take the weight and the responsibility of being this brand's first hire in the U.S. very seriously and hope to see that we uh, keep growing as we have over the last four years. Um, first of all, thank you for coming. And my grandfather, who was an engineer at Jim Beam, always said, when you're in the company of good people, you always have good whiskey. So cheers to you. Everybody tonight, we're going to have some really great drams, not because you're good people, but also because the whiskey's pretty good too, I think. Um, subjectively, I believe that. But we're going to taste through our core lineup, um, some super fun LTOs, and then some single barrels as well. So we have eight pours tonight to get through. So um, as I'm talking, why don't we go ahead and start tasting twofold. And I will tell a little bit of the story of Star Wars. And any, anytime you want to interrupt me with a question, please just uh, blurt it out. I'm actually recording this. I do a whiskey podcast. So I'm going to chop this up and um, possibly release it if the audio is all right. So uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later if you want to. But we're here for Star Wars Whiskey, um, not Key in the Lake, which is my podcast. But uh, yeah, so um, Star Wars. We started back in Melbourne, Australia 15 years ago. We actually celebrated our 15-year our anniversary just last year. And we're going to be tasting our 15-year anniversary blend here in a little while this evening. But really what, the Star, what Star Wars started, started out as um, was our founder Dave Vitale's hope to build a Australian whiskey based out of everything Australian. What he wanted to do is represent the place of where he comes from, the place in which the whiskey should respond to by using local farmers, local grains, all that awesome stuff to start making his whiskey. And he wanted to do it in a single malt fashion. He learned how to distill um, and make single malt whiskey at Lark Distilling. Uh, Bill Lark, who was the founder of Lark down in Tasmania, was really the OG, the grandfather of craft distilling in Australia, and the man who brought back distilling in Australia, period, about 30 years ago. They actually just celebrated their 30-year anniversary last year. So um, Dave went down there, studied under Bill for about two years. They started producing some single malts and finishing them inside of some uh, um, X-Red wine casts. And Dave's like, you know, this is a good idea. I think there's something here, but it's just not fully developed. So he got Bill's permission to go back to Melbourne, where Dave is originally from, as he was working in Tasmania, and start making single malt whiskey of his own. And from day one, he thought, why not put these whiskeys inside of red wine barrels for a full maturation? Not just about finishing it, not just about putting it in there for a little bit of time to get a wine sweet flavor into the single malt. He thought, why not use the best known product in the alcohol world when it comes to Australia, which are these big, jammy, red, uh, fruity red wines. And we started putting our barrels into some Shiraz casts from day one, and we haven't left that approach uh, in the last 15 years. So everything we produce at Starward is barrel aged for a full maturation inside of red wine barrels from various uh, vineyards all across uh, the great country of Australia, also a continent. So, um, yeah. 
it usually is first filled, but we are now starting to rotate those barrels that we've had now for a couple uh, rotations and reusing those. But usually after each cask uh, or each maturation, we either sell them off to breweries, other distilleries, or back to vineyards. And then we keep some uh, on hand to do uh, some a second fill for all those. But, um, and it's usually a first or second fill from the vineyards themselves. They usually go through <laughs> one to two vintages at the vineyards. On, uh, usually, but we do buy some very old barrels as well, which I'll talk about when we try Solera. Um, but twofold is, well, even though we're a single malt distillery, this is the only non-single malt we produce and is also the best-selling whiskey in, for our company all across the world. We sell in Europe, uh, we sell in Asia, obviously Australia, and obviously in America too. And the reason why, it's because the price point and also tastes really good. This is a $32 bottle of whiskey that we make uh, a wheat whiskey to blend together with our single malts. So everything from day one at our distillery starts with Novo, which we'll try a second here. It's a single malt whiskey that we put inside of ex-Cabernet, ex-Shiraz, ex-Pinot Noir, all these various types of red wine barrels. And then any one of those red wine barrels could go into a batch of Nova. And then what we do to make twofold is we take essentially 40% of what we do with Nova and blend it together a wheat whiskey that we barrel, we uh, distill separately, barrel aged separately, and then blend together. All of our single malts are produced on double pots distillation to honor what Scotland started, what Japan and, and uh, Ireland have obviously done too with their distillations. Um, but we wanted to do it very uniquely, so we thought put it, in it inside of a red wine cask for a full maturation. And to this day, we've grown to at about 16 to 17,000 red wine barrels fully maturing whiskey back in Australia. We have about a 45,000 square foot warehouse where we do majority of our operations at. It's where our still, double pot still distillation takes place. So we barrel age about 6,000 barrels. We have a giant bar that is kind of like an event space as well that houses 300 people. We also have our offices there. Um, so it's kind of like the size of Koval, uh, put it in the context. Actually, Koval and Star Ward are the two largest urban distilleries in the world. I've worked for both of them, so pat on the back for me. Um, I actually didn't know that until we were passing Koval, my boss and I, one day, going up to Fountainhead, rest in peace, for an event. And uh, I know, I know. But we're back. Green Post is awesome. So, um, but we are passing it, and he's like, you know, you've worked for the two largest distilleries in any city in the, in the entire world. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. And he explains it to me. He's like, I think we're a little bit bigger, though. You know, what's their square footage? I'm like, I don't know their exact square footage, Dave. I'm so sorry that I can't uh, comply, comply to that. But we also have one off-site facility where we house majority of our casts. And the only thing that happens there is barrel aging. So we have two facilities in Melbourne, um, kind of Port Melbourne, so right on the ocean and about a mile and a half south of downtown. We're right, right there smack in the city, pretty much, where you can uh, find a lot of tourists coming by and having a good old time with our whiskey. So twofold, it is 60% wheat, 40% malted barley, barrel aged majority of the time in ex-Cabernet casts for around anywhere to four to seven years. The wheat, we allowed it to mature a little bit longer because the heat fluctuation in Melbourne, we're going from 110 to 60 degrees in one day for about three to four months out of the year, and then various fluctuations all the time in humidity, dry air. We only barrel aged for about five years with our single malts. It's really our sweet spot. People ask me all the time, when star we're going to produce a 10-year-old whiskey, when star we're going to produce you know, an 8-year-old whiskey, a 7-year-old whiskey. The answer is never, probably. Um, five years is what we've really found to be the best way of getting flavor out of the red wines, balancing out that flavor of the, of the wine that's still in those staves after a complete maturation and not overwhelming the whiskey. 
Our goal is to get, to get whiskey inside of those red wine barrels within 48 hours, the wine being dumped at the vineyards and getting the barrels to our, to our facilities and getting the whiskey inside of there. On average, we say there's about a gallon to a gallon and a half of whiskey still in those staves. And we want to bring that wine into the whiskey, let it mature. We usually leave around 6 to 8% uh, angel share a year. So we um, are only barrel aged for that five-year mark as well to actually save the amount of volume we can actually produce and keep the prices low. So um, twofold, essentially what we do is we distill the wheat on a column still, um, let it age in the barrels for about five years on average, probably going with about four years in the single malts, and then blend together about 25 barrels to make one batch, lower it down to about after two weeks um, of, a of a system of slow proofing, not a complete, uh, I guess like a two month slow proof, slow proof uh, process, but about two weeks after bringing down the proof and then bottle it at 80 proof uh, right there. So. Pretty, uh, pretty tasty whiskey, um, creamy and light. We built it for the American market. Um, bourbon was kind of t obviously taking off by the time we started making this about eight years ago, the wheat whiskey itself. It was a very contentious effort at our distillery. All our distillers were like, hey, we're a single malt distillery. Um, we don't make anything other than single malts. But they've seen the success. They've seen what we've turned out, what they've done, what they've built, those distillers. And now they can say it's our best selling whiskey um, because of this whole wheat process. And we actually, actually just started selling some individual single barrels that were 100% wheat last year that were barrel aged for seven years. And three of them were inside a PX cast for that whole entire maturation. So we do wander outside the lines of Australian red wine casts, I would say less than 1% of the time of our other barrels, which I'll get into when we try Vitalis, our 15 year anniversary a little bit later. But twofold, um, great cocktail whiskey, great simple sippy whiskey, very, very elegant and light, creamy and rich from that um, that wheat and then interacting with the single malt and the red wine cast provides a little bit of a fruity flavor to it as well. But any thoughts? On to the next whiskey? Okay. Um, on to Nova, which is number two, if you don't have any questions. Um, but yeah, this is readily available. The Binnie's $32 or 20, I think it's on like $28 right now. Um, so awesome for that way. If you make cocktails at home, old fashions, Manhattans, whiskey sours are great with any of our whiskeys, uh, especially Twofold and Nova. But um, yeah, Nova, this is kind of what I would really say is the heart and soul of the company. This is what we, we strive to make every single day. Single malt whiskey, putting it inside of red wine barrels and seeing what happens after a four to five year maturation. It's an 82, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's in uh, 82 proof. So um, pretty nice and easy in that sense. But the finish to the whiskey, I think is the highlight of it. People are always asking, like, what do I like the best out of our whiskeys or which one do I drink the most? I drink the most twofold, it's easy that way. Uh, I think Nova has the best finish. And then Solera, which we're gonna try after Nova, is I think one of our, is our best core whiskey, the, one, the ones we sell every day in, in America. But um, Nova, mostly barrel aged and extra Shiraz barrels. About 25 barrels that go into a batch of Nova, probably about 17 to 18 of those barrels are gonna be extra Shiraz. The single barrel that Dreamers has is an ex um, Shiraz cask, an American oak staves, barrel aged for around three to four years, which we're gonna try here at Cast Strength. About half of our barrels back in our uh, rickhouses are split between French oak and American oak. So let's say 8,000 are uh, French oak, the other uh, 8,000 are American oak, but they're always red wine casts. And we only rechar about 25% of those barrels. Most of our barrels we call our, our wet filling, where all we do is we get the barrels from the vineyards, we steam them a little bit just to hydrate them, bring them back to life, take a little bit of that sulfur out of the barrels, out of the staves, 
and then uh, put whiskey inside of there and then let the elements of Australia do its work to uh, to our cast and to our whiskey. Um, so I like yeah. Still wet after the steam? Yes, yeah, yeah, and then put it in there. Um, and then after, when we don't rechar the barrels, that charring acts as a filtration in between the whiskey and the wood. So we actually pull out a deeper color um, and a little bit more of intense flavor of the wine when we don't rechar the, the barrel. So the barrel that we'll try from Drammers when they bought about three or four years ago is a really dark, intense red. And it was a non-charred oak barrel, I believe. And that comes from letting, that, letting the whiskey go to inside of the wood, inside the staves, as the pores open up and contract almost on a daily basis and pulling out that red, uh, red wine flavor, but also the color that goes along with it too. So it's a really neat process to see when you're down at our distillery. If you ever go there anytime, let me know. Um, all my card and information is around here. We have a top-notch experience at our distillery with having that bar, having tours, and getting to try a lot of different whiskeys. We only sell about three whiskeys on a daily basis in America, plus LTOs and single barrels. But back in Australia, we do probably 30 to 40 annual releases out of our bar in, Austra in, uh, in Melbourne, where we do these really weird, funky, experimental stuff with uh, honey barrels, ginger beer cast barrels, which we might be trying here tonight, um, and other things like that. Maybe a tawny barrel, I don't know. Gill, um, but uh, it's a lot of fun. It's coming, baby, it's coming. It's getting packaged, Paul. Why is it called a tawny barrel? It's barrel. It's a whiskey. It's a single malt, only barrel aged in one style of tawny barrels. Yeah, from uh, from I don't know what vineyard it came from, but uh, there is um, there's rumors that there's a single barrel of this tawny being shipped over to America for a certain enthusiastic whiskey club. Um, <laughs> I can think of at least two enthusiasts. Yes. Uh, so. Like the guy that leads this group, does he like love port matured whiskeys? I mean, you know, he's a he's a, he's a man of many interesting skills, talents, and behaviors. So um, <laughs> no one can really pinpoint that. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Um, there's there's about 37, 38 cases floating over from the seas of the world to America. Uh, but yeah, it's really but it's, and it kind of gets into like why the climate in Australia is really interesting because you have that Indian Ocean putting pushing the hot air across across the continent of Australia, which produces obviously the outback. But then south of Australia, you have Antarctica pushing up cold air. So where Melbourne is in the southeast corner, it's a really neat, interesting situation of how the warm air and the cold air collide to create a very diverse climate and a very unique climate where our proof actually kind of goes up um, from barrel aging. It's a lot like Kentucky in that sense, where majority of the distilleries, after barrel aging, their proof goes up a couple points. Um, so ours too. We enter the barrel with all of our whiskey at 55% or 110 proof, and then usually at cash strength we pull it out around 112 to 113 proof, which we'll try here with some of these single barrels. But um, I'd love to get, hear your thoughts on Nova. I think it's a, just a delightful whiskey. I think if you're a space side drinker, you'll really find some common elements to it that are really uh, delightful, neat, and enjoyable. What ABV is it? Uh, 41%. Yeah, so all our whiskeys, our core whiskeys, are around 40 to 45. We do a process not called chill filtering. We don't, don't want to use that naughty, naughty word. We call it cool filtering. We bring it down. Yeah, so you know, like I said earlier, it's all about place. Australia, our Star Wars is about representing Australia in a bottle. And we also kind of compare it to the rest of the world. 
Scotland's average temperature in a day is 41, 42 degrees. The average temperature in Melbourne is 78 degrees. So we thought, why not kind of honor what's happening in the best part of the world that makes the best single malts by bringing the temperature down for a cool filtering to the average temperature to a Scotland day and showing it off in that sense. And we did a blind tasting years ago with our distillers, our founder, our board to see what they thought was better, if it was filtered or if it wasn't filtered. They decided blindly on filtering the whiskeys. Um, anything that is below 98 uh, proof, we filter. Um, so for our core whiskeys we were trying here, the first three, all of them are a cool filtering process. Um, to kind of level off some of the tannins, some of the sulfuric notes that are still inside the whiskey after barrel aging in these very active, alive wine barrels for a number of years. So can you describe the cool filtering that you do? Uh, it's like a, it's, it looks like, have you seen a chill filter before? It's the same thing. It just, <laughs> yeah. And, it's just not as chill. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry? What's the temperature they're filtering down? So it, you... Yeah, so it goes to the filter itself is at 42, um, 42 degrees, so yeah. Fahrenheit, yeah. And yeah, usually it's a little bit lower than that. Yeah, so that gets back to the average Scotland day in that sense, yeah. So uh, 20 something percent charred barrels, like, do your cuts need to be like really tight in order to, because like, I feel like the charring adds like filtration elements. Yeah. That's a great question. So we always say through the, the diversity of wood um, that we have, we call it a wood policy, that we find our consistency to products. So usually we're using usually around like two to three barrels that are recharred um, into a batch of Nova when we're batching together about 25 barrels. But with Solera, which we're going to try next, all of those barrels are recharred. And that kind of pushes that number up to 20, 25%, where really we're only using a very small amount of barrels um, that are recharred for twofold of Nova. Um, so yeah, we are, we are, you have to be kind of more precise with that. And then a lot of testing with nosing um, and tasting about every two to three months we try each barrel. We have two head blenders, uh, Carly and Jared, um, they're an awesome team. Carly actually figured out about two years ago that we got better consistency and flavor to twofold by using ex-Cabernet cast. And we switched it up from there from using ex-Shiraz cast. And really because of her, I think the, the consistency in that product, that creaminess and that richness had really turned out. And you get more of this honeycomb flavor to it where there was like this soft bitterness to it previously to that. Um, so uh, bravo to her and, like, and, but, and to our team back in Australia for figuring that out. So, and it kind of gets back to the interesting part of Star Wars is that all of our distillers in the front of the house are brewers by trade. Dave was a brewer by trade before he started Starward. And then the back of our house, all of our blenders and the operation are all winemakers by trade. So we kind of merged those two together to create Starward by you know, honoring the beginning system of distillation is brewing. And then obviously the back end of it all, well, that's barrel aging inside of red wine casts by using winemakers for that part of the production process. Do you have a question? Paul had a question first. Paul's, Paul's first? Paul's first. Thank you, sir. He's more handsome. He is. Well, it's, it's, well, it's a tie. It's a throw up. Uh, I was thinking if we ever needed to rebrand, I was thinking if we ever needed to rebrand the filtration, uh, wouldn't we be able to call it like the Highlands process? Like mm. the Lincoln County process? You know what? Uh, just, just, just thoughts. I, I'm a brand ambassador um, in America. Uh, the production is over in Australia. Um, I don't. I don't get that Diageo payout whenever that happens. So, uh, but the boss will be in town in about a month, so you can ask him that. All right. Yeah. 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 So, um, what I mean by Diageo payout, we are invested by Diageo. We are not a Diageo brand. 
but we have investment behind us to grow our brand across the entire world. Um, so doing things like this uh, just helps out to that sense. And maybe one day we'll be in that big booklet of spirits and alcohol all across the world, and I'll be out of a job. Um, not just joking. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, Gil. Uh, barley. Where, where, where's your barley from? All our barley comes from local farmers. We always say it's a day's drive away from uh, from our distil from our distillery. So um, we're using two row barley for mostly everything. Using a brewer's yeast and a distiller's yeast, those are the type of things I really can't get into that much. That's what they swear me to secrecy on things. Um, but yeah, it's everything is all local Australian. And the reason why we chose twofold, we chose wheat to be the secondary grain for twofold. It wasn't just that bourbon was booming with the wheat process of, or the, by using wheat. Um, what we wanted to do was honor the second most readable grain in Melbourne or in the state of Victoria, where we're based out of, which is wheat. So then kind of merging those two together, and then you get twofold. So it was also the honor. It was the, it was the process of what Kentucky distillers have been doing in America for 100 years, but it took you know about 95 years for people to catch on that it was a, a really great way to make whiskey by using local wheat. And Dave, our founder, he, he really took the identity of Maker's Mark and built that into what he wanted to make out of Star Wars by you know, using local grains. Um, every day, you're making the same whiskey for the same intent where they're making Maker's Mark every day just to make standard Maker's Mark, and then they've obviously, over the last decade, started doing different things. Dave's intent was, let's make Nova every single day, and then we can branch off from there and do other projects. So um, it's one of his favorite whiskeys. He kind of says, you know, Maker's Mark, Johnny Walker, and a few other distilleries, the ones that really, I guess, probed him to uh, go ahead and start a distillery. Two part So we actually contract the still. We uh, we it's just up the street from our distillery. We actually go there and distill on. It's a it's a wheat processing uh, factory. So we actually go use their <coughs> still to make that. Um, we will always be a double a double pot still distillation system though when it comes to making single malts. So it, we actually just grew that two years ago. We expanded our distillery. So each of the stills kind of expanded by about two thousand liters. Um, and if we grow it'll probably be adding more, a bigger space, and then more pot stills. Yeah, that would be the identity of the company. As long as, like, as Dave's the founder and the one that's making all the decisions, even depending on who technically owns the brand, will always be a double pot still distillation when it comes to making single malts. So you only do the wheat on your column That's the only thing, yeah. Wheat, it, uh, the column still is only used for the wheat. Yep, that's it. Yeah, we do. Um, we do that. It actually happens off-site, the kilning, um, where we do the whole malting process. About th two to three days, so standards uh, for all of that. Um, that's the only thing we don't do in-house <laughs> right now. Um, and then, what was the other question? Oh, oh we use two-row barley. Um, yeah, yeah. Latrobe is one of the companies we use. Yeah. Sorry if I missed it. Yeah. What's the proof for the two-fold? Two-fold is eighty, and Nova is eighty-two. Why you choose this approach? Yes. So, um, A, it's a way for us to make more whiskey. We're losing six to eight, six to 8% a year out of those barrels. So we want to produce more, obviously, that way. We also want to keep the cost down. 
Um, I'm not sure if it's the way anymore, but when I first started the brand, Nova was the only single malt produced in Australia and sold in Australia for less than $100 AU. Um, that's about 65 to $70. Is that right, ratio? <laughs> Uh, to US. So we wanted to keep the prices down. We also wanted to keep it a really great experience for anybody who was just starting the whiskey journey or somebody who you know has been drinking single malts for 25 years and feel like they could act, it could stand up in a glass too for them. Yeah. Yeah. So earlier when we were tasting TUFO, you mentioned <coughs> the five-year statement that you mm -hmm. feel like that's the best aging. Does it apply to most of your bottles or is it just TUFO specific? Uh, all, of our, well, all of our whiskeys, most of our casks. Um, our average cask is probably four years just because we're trying to keep up with production and demand. Um, and then five years is really the, the, the long-standing amount of time we have, the max amount of time we have for maturation. Is, it, is yep. there like a secret stash where you guys are experimenting? Yes, yes, we, it, there is, and we'll be trying that later. So I will definitely get into that, yeah. Great question, though, yeah. Is it a tawny stash? Not, uh, there's tawny involved, yes. There's tawny involved. Um, let's move to Solera. So Solera, we first launched in the U.S. in the summer, it's still the fall of 2019, but it was technically the first whiskey we ever launched as a brand. So it's really, I think, in a way, the heartbeat of this company because without it, who knows if we had ever actually gotten off the ground. So Solera was the original, or Nova was the original intent to launch single malt whiskey, barrel edge, next Shiraz cast, and then see what happens. But um, after a maturation around three years, my boss kind of got the idea of like, this is really good whiskey. We shouldn't just put it out as small batches. So what he decided to do was start building his own Solera system. I don't know if you're familiar with this, uh, excuse me, with, uh, with Sherry Solera systems that are done in Spain. Ours is a little bit different. It's more of a nod to Solera. So what we do now is, um, yeah, we, exactly. Um, we buy, we buy, uh, Sherry barrels, Australian sherry casks called Apera, short for aperitif. Um, we buy these casks from a couple different vineyards, mostly Yalumba and McWilliams. They're various size barrels. So our average size barrel that we use for twofold Nova is a 59, 60 gallon barrel, kind of like sherry butts in a way. But we're buying anything from these uh, Apera casks that are 30 gallons to 100 gallons. And we will buy these barrels that are some of them 50, 60 years old and we'll tear them apart and then rebuild the barrels with individual staves from all these different casks. It could be a two-year-old barrel, it could be a 60-year-old barrel, it could be a 30-year-old barrel. Um, and then with all of these casks we have from these uh, sherry, uh, from these aperos, we, uh, we rechar. So 100% of the time those are recharred. And then after we rechar those barrels, we do a maturation of around four years, pretty much four years overall. And so after a four-year maturation in these, in these various 30, 60, and 100-gallon casks, as soon as they're done being matured, we dump those barrels' cash strength into a giant vat that's containing thousands of liters of Solera from every um, from over the last 12 years almost now. Where we're dumping those barrels in there, we pull out between 10 to 20 percent of that vat to be bottled. But as soon as we pull out any of that volume, we dump barrels in, refreshing it, let it mingle at cash strength, and then we bring it down to 86 proof when being bottled and released out to the U.S. I think it has like the best of the both world, best the both the best parts of both twofold and Nova kind of in there. But I get these apple crisp, very autumnal notes to it. I call it an autumnal hug um, on, a, on a kind of a cool crisp night like tonight, where it's still a little warm in the air too. I think it's a really great drink um, for nights such like this. So 
Uh, we only release about 3,000 to 3,500 bottles of these in the U.S. a year. Only really in uh, Illinois, Texas, California. And I think that's basically about it. In New York. Yeah. No, no, not Texas. New York, not Texas. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this would be absolutely delicious in morning oatmeal. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, we actually call twofold our our, cer yeah. our cereal whiskey. This this has that apple crisp. Yeah. Oh, I believe that's called an eye opener. Yes. Uh, in Olden, it's called morning porridge. Um. Yeah. Any thoughts on Solera? I love it. Yeah. For, for the price, what? Sixty-five bucks. Sixty-five dollars on uh, when you can find it. It's uh, readily available at Binnie's when we have it on hand. Let's say we get like. 20 cases of it to Illinois. I'm going to say strongly about 15 are going to Binnie's. Um, so, yeah. I put this up against just about any like 12 year Chevy H pilot. Now I'm going to faint. Um, what was the strength? A6 proof. Yeah. Do you have any whiskeys that are straight from the barrel, like Einstein? We're going to try two of them tonight. Yeah. Um, Yes, we do. So we only do our single barrels at cast strength. That's about it. Other than that, we uh, filter down just because you'll taste the difference. So you really taste the difference between, especially if you have a little Nova left or we can pour a little bit of Nova. Because essentially our Novas are built off of, our, our single barrels are built off of Nova. Um, so you'll taste the difference between that. Much more, it, a lot of the American oak barrels remind me of bourbon on the nose. And then it kind of gets into like more of a Highland space side spiciness to the taste itself. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, thousands for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're always um, replenishing that after a four-year maturation. Usually, we're not releasing that much. And I'm not sure if other than, I think it's only in Australia and America we actually sell it. I don't think we sell it in Europe. No, I did not. I think Breaking down the whole barrels and yeah. building the barrels again. You yeah. guys do that on site? We don't. We, a, we I have was a, gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's a really interesting question. Um, we don't build the barrels on site and we break, we break them down. But Dave, what he started in Australia was a secondary comp secondary industry for winemakers and cooperages. That there was no real secondary use for wine barrels in Australia other than basically using them for gardening. And now he's built this whole entire industry because we were the first ones to do it. Yeah, so it's, it's, right. yeah. it's, it's fascinating. So now we have two we have two cooperages we work with that get our barrels to us now. So we have a variety of like hundreds of vineyards we usually we work with, but there's about thirty five to fifty I'd say we probably work with like on primarily. Yeah. So you guys are gonna be limited long term growth by the wine barrels at some point probably. I mean Penfolds that's pretty well, so you know, yeah. like those giant producers. Yeah. What are, we, what are we drinking next? Ah, a single barrel. Nice. Um, well, there we go. So now we're, we're trying something that is uncut. This, uh, this is directly from the cask. Our single barrel program started in the U.S. essentially about three and a half years ago. Um, we didn't have a single barrel program really at all. Uh, single barrels really aren't much of a thing outside of the United States. They're growing, but in Australia, they didn't really know what they meant by people wanting to buy individual barrels from us. And so we've been basically growing it on the run, just a shotgun style in that sense, over the last three to four years. 
Delilah's purchased this barrel on World Whiskey Day last year. We had about, oh, is it 20? Yeah, they got it in stock last year. That's right. I think that we, we did the tasting for this in 2021. 2021. 2021. Yeah, what year? We? It was like April 2021. It was World Whiskey Day, May, 20, May, uh, May 20th, 2021. Okay, so spring of 2021. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what Mike decided to do while over COVID was to recuperate some costs. We'll start doing these whiskey tastings on uh, virtually, and we sell out these tasting kits to people all across the country. I think even the world, some people got them. And Mike and I started making an idea of like, hey, let's do like a world whiskey tasting. And he's like, well, let's do like a single barrel tasting. I'm like, oh yeah, cool, I can get like single barrel samples or single barrels from all across the country, and people can taste them, and then maybe they'll buy one or two in their individual markets. He's like, no, I want to buy a single barrel from you. I'm like, oh, even I lead our single barrel program. Um, so I was like, perfect, let's do it. So we sent out six different samples of six individual single barrels to 50 different people um, all across the country. And then on World Whiskey Day 2021, we got on a Zoom call for way too long and talked about. What would it be known? What it be known? That was my second World Whiskey Day three-hour whiskey Zoom of the day. So, uh, yeah, we, so you didn't do the the, the Drammers, which is like was four and five hours. Yeah, I was on it the year before actually, and um, for some reason we were presenting on there. Somehow I got the log information from my boss, who was the one talking. I was and my boss was doing a bunch of that day. So they're like, "Hey, can you come on and make sure like if Dave's not there, you can talk." I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." So my distributor reps are on there from New York. Charlie's on there. Everyone from Drammers. And then it comes up saying Dave Vitale underneath my name, underneath my face. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. So I'm just sitting there kind of looking around and they keep making jokes about, oh, Dave's like, Dave looks a little old, looks a little younger today. And I was like, all right, is he on here? I, I, I didn't know, that. I had no idea. And at one point, like I'm on, I just put my camera off and I'm sitting there. I'm also wearing a Jim Beam hat, so that's really great. <laughs> and at one point I just kind of forget I'm on camera and take a pull out of a bottle and they're like, oh, I guess Dave's really thirsty today, too. And I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, and I'll start realizing, I'm like, oh, shit, it says Dave Vitale underneath my picture. So I just turned off real quick, and I don't know, hopefully, hopefully everything worked out well that day in 2020. But in 2021, we bought this, we, uh, we went around, tasted all single barrels, and um, we voted. It was a, an entire Democratic vote to see what we bought. And it ended up being this ex-French oak recharred barrel of a single malt barrel aged for a little over four years. I think it got close to five years, I want to say. Um, super unique. I love our French oak barrels. They remind me of Glen Farkless. There's like, like grimy, not grimy, but like kind of like the, the orange peel kind of note to it. There it is, Paul. Paul agrees with me. Um, but it has like these like vanilla notes to it and then the spiciness in there. It's inviting for bourbon heads, I think, on the nose. And then you get into the single malt elements as you taste through the whiskey. Um, a great barrel, uh, awesome choice. Funny enough, the night before we chose this barrel, funny enough, funny enough Gil was involved in this story. Um, so we sent out these six samples, but these six samples of six single barrels were still being tasted out in various markets across the US before we had our tasting. And the two nights before our tasting, one of the single barrels sold in Texas, I believe. So I'm like, oh shit, 
these people pay like $80 to taste six single barrel samples, and now one of them essentially obsolete. Well, Gil was on the tasting, and he wasn't going to be able to make the tasting that night, that afternoon on Saturday. So on Friday, he sends me his votes of single barrels. And I know Gil's palate pretty well. We're chums. And I'm thinking, like, if Gil likes this one barrel, many people are going to like this barrel. Well, it turned out the barrel that Gil liked the best was the one that was sold. <laughs> so now I'm starting, I'm starting to freak out. I had a, our podcast was doing a three to four hour uh, whiskey Zoom in-person event out in the suburbs before this Delilah's event. So I was like, I have no time to do anything. Like, we're just out of time. We'll just see what happens. So we're in the background on the Zoom chat talking to Mary, who uh, used to be the GM of Delilah's. Like, this barrel can't win. Like, even if everybody loves it and they vote for it, it doesn't win. Like, she's like, well, we'll figure it out. And the votes start coming in, and people start voting for this barrel. It's unsold. And no one knows it's sold. I didn't even tell Gil. Um, I don't even know if Miller knew it was sold, to be honest with you, but Mary knew. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be so bad. But it turned out to be all right. I think it came in third place, I want to say, yeah. overall. Um, this one was a delicious one. It was one of our first single barrels sold to a on-premise, so a bar in Chicago. Super happy with it. Um, if you love it, you can still purchase it. It's available downstairs. I believe it's 70 to $75. Um, if you really love it, we're going to do some trivia at the end of tonight. I'm going to give away a bottle of this guy. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. See if they're listening. Um, but what do, you, what do you guys think? I still like it, Jack. Yeah. I need to revisit it. Like, I haven't had it in a while. Our single barrel program uh, is something new and developing, like I said earlier. We've done about 75 single barrels across the United States over the last couple of years. Um, I lead the single barrel program, so if you're in a club or anything, just ask me and I can help you out with all that stuff. It's usually about 40 cases of whiskey, um, which is six packs, and then usually you get about 200 to 240 bottles, all good stuff, all cash strength. We have a really, I think we have one of the most unique single barrel programs out there because through the amount of wine barrels we have, variety of wine barrels we have, splitting that between French oak and American oak, and then doing single malts and wheats, we have essentially 150 combinations of wood to single malt we can do when it comes to a single barrel program. So you can have a French oak recharred for four to five years inside of an ex-Shiraz barrel or inside of an ex-Sherry barrel or inside of an ex-Cabernet barrel. You can have a fresh French oak barrel. You can have a fresh American oak barrel, a recharred American oak barrel. So there's always different variations you can do in our program, and we always have very, a lot of samples to choose from. And I just got like 40 more from Australia this year, so I have a lot to sell um, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're interested. But... Uh, yeah, we're gonna try another single barrel here. Um, do you get them all here and then? Yeah. So them, what what we do is we have them all shipped over, bottled, um, to our importer. So then before people we sell. before we sell. So then when you buy them now, except for that tiny elusive tiny barrel, uh, but uh, for all, for our core single barrels. So then that way we have about a six week turnaround from when you purchase the bottle uh, the barrel and then getting it to the retailer. Yeah. Right. Because initially. So they're all labeled. Um, if you want to see the bottles, they're up front. And then we will make a custom sticker for you to put on. Yeah, yeah. So that way that we can have it to you fast. Because beforehand, we were, buy, we were doing these barrel programs. And people would buy a single barrel. And then like this one from Delilah's, it took a year to get over here. Right. We only send over about a certain number of shipments a year. And then plus, because of uh, 
inflation and logistics and all that kind of stuff. We were even doing less, sh less shipments over to America from Australia during COVID. But um, we figured a little bit of a loop around, so that way we send over all of our single barrels pre-bottled, and then we'll build a nice little sticker for you or a label, whatever you want to do, and then that way you can get the bottle within like six weeks of a uh, purchase. Yeah, so very fast. <laughs> well, that was so. So that big poster says uh, most awarded uh, distillery of the year. Um, the reason why that bottle was even in the U.S. is because we won that award. Um, we won the distillery of the year at San Francisco World Space Competition back in June, and our head distiller Sam came over to America to accept the award with Dave. I don't really talk about awards very much, but the validation that those two got to experience, the looks on their face about seeing we're distill this tiny little distillery out of Australia that started 15 years ago, and now people around the world are saying we're the best at doing it for this year. That's pretty awesome to say that these two guys that started it from scratch, Sam was our number one hire back 15 years ago. Yeah, and it was awesome to see. So I will talk about them winning that award for those two guys because they built something out of nothing, and now you see it kind of growing all across the entire world. So that was really special. But, but Sam brought over some special samples of whiskey. One of them being a single malt barrel aged in a tawny barrel for five years. And I said, Sam, can we have this in the US? And he said, absolutely. I'm like, well, it's sold. Because these enthusiastic whiskey sippers, <laughs> um, we were doing, a t we did a many tastings over COVID, became friends. It was, it's been awesome. Truly thankful for everything you guys done for Star Wars. And they said, if you ever get one of these tawny barrels, we'll buy it. And I was like, all right. So like probably eight, nine months later, I'm like, I got one. And they're like, we'll take it. Um, but it turns out that was never in the rotation of barrels to come over to the U.S. on any shipments. They were still yeah, but it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's coming. So, yeah, no pressure. No pressure. But we will have, we'll try an element inside of it. There's, a, there's an element of that tawny barrel actually in your glass right now. Um, Vitalis, which is the next whiskey we're drinking, is our 15-year anniversary blend. It is a blend of single malts from all types of barrels we have collected over the last 15 years. Anywhere between four to 11 year old whiskey. So we do have some stashed away. Uh, we have some ex bourbon barrels in there, some ex Shiraz, some ex Sherry, some ex PX, some ex rum, and some ex Tani barrels. Right. I'm getting chocolate. Where am I getting the chocolate? I think it's coconut vanilla chocolate from those rum barrels all day. Okay. I get so much of that rum characteristic from that. Um, I think it's at 104 proof. I don't really know. Um, we just released it in the US. We had a very limited amount. We're only selling it in Chicago, New York, and Southern California. $150 retail. Yeah. Um, Benny's is, the only, is really the only place in Chicago that has it. Some smaller independent retailers, Glunn's, um, Malloy's, who is splitting the tawny barrel with you guys. They also have it, but, and then, uh, you know, obviously Miller has a couple bottles downstairs and some of our best on-prem accounts too. But this is really uh, a special bottle that we wanted to share with the entire world, showing off what we do on a daily basis when it comes to making single malts and then doing unique maturation. So, cheers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a special whiskey. It, I put off trying it for a very long time um, <laughs> until I could try it with one person I told her I'd try it with, and we tried it together, and I was like, damn, this is really good. And I was live on the internet, it's like 200 people while doing it, so, you know. You said there's 11-year-old whiskey in here? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so given your angel sharing here, yeah. 
I don't know. Um, I believe it's a. I don't. I don't quote me, as when we're wearing a microphone. Um, I believe they're ex bourbon barrels. We bought bourbon casks back in the day because, you know, Dave wasn't sure if this whole thing would work out. He, he wasn't sure how the turnover would be with maturation and wine casks. So he had he had bourbon casks, but he didn't want to recreate the wheel. But, you know, it's what you do when you have a single malt distillery. You do what Scotland's done in some in some aspect. So. Uh, I believe I, I didn't know we even had rum barrels until we released this guy. So yes, yeah, so fruity. I mean, four, I would say. We try to call it fun things, but and I think Vitalis is super special. But we're trying probably our most sought after whiskey right now, which is our ginger beer cask. Um, it's not released in the U.S. right now. It's going to be released in about two months for the first time in the United States. Our owner always says that you have a better chance of getting into Harvard than winning a bottle of this in Australia. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but it, we only do it by raffle. We sell it at our distillery bar, and I think only 4,000 bottles go out to customers in Melbourne. We don't ship it or anything. I think you can pick it up at the bar, I think. But we're going to launch it in the U.S. for the first time. It is a funky whiskey that has a very long story and i guess this is a good place to tell that long story we're amongst friends um so at our bar at our distillery we do cocktails and all that good stuff so about 10 years ago dave went to our head of bar staff and was like we need to start making ginger beer for the bar i don't want to pay for it we have the operations and facilities here to do it because we do a lot of highballs and a lot of spritzes with our whiskeys very popular in australia so the made ginger beer, um, our distillery team did, but of course being the degenerate distillers that they are, they made like a 20% ginger beer. And I'm sure it tasted great. But Dave's like, we can't sell this to people in a cocktail. So they were like, okay, well, let's put it in a barrel and see what happens. So they put it in a barrel, um, barrel edged that ginger beer. Don't know whatever happened to the ginger beer, but um, some of our friends from a brewery called Boat Rocker had heard about this elusive ginger beer cask. So the ginger beer is barrel aging in an ex Nova barrel. So it had gone through the vineyard, gone through a, a fill of no, a single malt, and then was emptied. Put the ginger beer inside of there. Don't know having the ginger beer. And then the brewery's like, well, can we have the cask? And she's like, yeah. So the cask went to Boat Rocker. Boat Rocker barrel aged an IPA, I believe, inside of that cask. I assume the Why? beer. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's Australia. Their craft beer scenes like our craft beer scene. There's, they're everywhere. They try weird things. Very experiment, experimental. It could have been a saison. I don't know. It was 10 years ago. So they uh, sent the barrel back to us, and then we finished a whiskey inside of there. Don't know how long the exact finish was, but after all these months and, and I think even years, they came out with the very first iteration of ginger beer cask. It was a single barrel um, in that sense, I believe and uh, started selling it off as number one. We, using, using that gin, using the X, so a X Nova, yeah. well, X, X, wine. X wine, X Nova, X ginger beer, X beer, I believe it was a ginger, uh, and then sent it back to us. We finished a Nova inside of there. Wow. It, was a, it was a success. It was well used really very well used cast. I'm confused. We're recycling. <laughs> We're recycling. Um, so yeah, I said it was a long story. I, I said it was long and convoluted. Um, anyway, the cask came back to us. We finished the whiskey inside there. Sold it off as ginger beer cask number one. 
We just released our eighth iteration of it. This has been over now almost 11 years of doing this. Um, and we're releasing number seven in the US in May. So we get a little catch up to do for that. But um, what we do now is that we take these wine, uh, these uh, ginger beer barrels from Boat Rocker. They actually make their own ginger beer. We, they buy barrels from us um, and then barrel edge the beer inside of there, the ginger beer, send the barrels back to us. And then we take Nova and Solera. So number two, number three, we tried tonight. And we finished the whiskey inside of there. Those ginger beer casts for about 30 months. It's a very long finish to it. At the end of the day, you're probably tasting around five-year-old whiskey, barrel-edged in these ginger beer casts, and you get like these funky elements to it. I, I, I would say that gingery fruitiness to it is definitely present, spicy. It holds that, that I think it maintains a little bit of that uh, Nova pepperiness to it as well. Just a really fun whiskey to explore, and um, you're some of the very first in America to ever try it. So. This is special. I mean, yeah. Well, I was I, I wasn't even gonna say that. I thought because made friends. <laughs> so. Um, can, can, can I tell them about the email that I got from you? As a way to get how it started. Yeah, I okay. kind of tell a little bit of background first. And then, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, no, 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 no. I want I want to hear your side of it because I know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, eating tacos in San Diego. Um, but yeah, so uh, we've obviously been become friends over whiskey, which I think is at, at best is what whiskey does. That's what I was taught growing up with a, with a grandfather who worked at Jim Beam for 20 years, um, was that whiskey and bourbon in particular should bring people together. And it should also tell a story of America. And Australian whiskey's not telling the story of America, but it also it's telling me my life story right now and making friends because of this brand. And this bottle that we're gonna try right now is one of those great expressions of it. So after a couple Zoom calls, um, some whiskey tastings and other things, the enthusiastic whiskey hobbyist group decided they wanted to buy their own single barrel. I said, fantastic. So we got in a call, how do we pick the barrel? Actually, you're putting the cart before the horse. Okay, take it away, Gil. Oh. We actually had not yet decided to do our own single barrel. And after the Delilah's Zoom ah. where we decided where that delicious Delilah's barrel was selected, I got an email from Jake that really messed us all up, but thank you. I got this email from Jake that said, does your group want to get one of the barrels that wasn't selected? And I was like, oh shit, we can do that? Can. <laughs> and and I sent the email out to uh, the people who were on the call, and I didn't give them my opinion. I wanted the opinion of the other people from our group who were on the call. And they selected this one, 3278. I believe it's 55.4%. I think it's an extra cast. Yep. Four years. Ex American Oak. And Ex American Oak. And then uh, one day uh, when I was at this gym. Well, wait. So you guys only bought half the barrel. We got half the barrel, right? And the other half was uh, still available. Wait, so you in the store. You're at the gym? Still? Well, I was at, yes, I was at, I, I was at my gym. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it gets, it gets back to that sign. I was on the treadmill, and all of a sudden I get a call from Jake. Just before our barrel, this is right when we were about to start selling our barrel. April 2022. He said, guess what? I'm like, what? He said, the barrel you picked just won double gold at the San Francisco Spirit Competition. Nice. Yeah. 
one of 12 that Star Wars won uh, for double golds and then eventually accumulated to become Distillery of the Year because of all those double golds. And so half the barrel was still available. You guys had already committed your, what, 120? Our initial, we got 120, and then I think we got like another 60 or 80. I think Paul just bought a bunch of them. Nice. And then, um, so I had like, I had, I had about 10, 15 cases left to sell this barrel. And so I started taking it around to a couple um, bars and being like, I know you guys want to buy a full single barrel, but you don't have the space to hold it or the money to buy a full single barrel. So here's like three or four cases of this award-winning barrel. And I think I had three bars, including Untitled and Franklin Room, commit to a number of cases. And then the next Monday, I go to start fulfilling those orders. And it turns out our good friend Brett over at Benny's just bought the rest of the barrel. And so Benny's took the rest of the cases. And I was just at Benny's today at Lakeview. And they, it, is, it is officially sold out now. So, so it's no more available availability left on it. I have three or four bottles at home that I have a couple open, but I'm not sure why I have two open. They're like the same amount g gone too, but it happens. It happens. Yeah. Um, but I have, I have four bottles at home. One I drank, one is here. If anyone is suggesting other two, I can auction it. Uh, there you go. But it, I mean, it, it, I love the one with Lynn McEwen after a There you go. Um, I think it's just so cool that we have, you know, people that are in two different groups maybe three different groups here in Chicago. And the whole single barrel program has really uplifted Star Wars across the country. That's where we've really seen our growth and people coming back then the Nova twofold and Solera and buying those whiskeys. And the fact that like everyone can be here, we're trying three to four different barrels, single barrels uh, on a night like tonight, like super special um, and it means a lot. So um, cheers to this other next single barrel that we have. So. Just to reiterate, uh, four years inside of an ex Shiraz American Oak cask, about 110, 111 proof, um, scrumptious and delicious. It was on the original Delilah's call. Um, I think it was second or? I think it was second or third. It was yeah. Third? third? I can tell the rest of the story. So we're all on this Delilah's call, right? All right, so we're all on this Delilah's call. Never heard of it. Uh, and like, Five or six of us from the club are in this tasting. Mm. We're like we're messing each other on, messaging each other on the side and everything. And I realized about like by the fourth whiskey that the one that we tasted that we ended up picking for Delilah's that was I am 100% convinced the perfect whiskey for Delilah's, and it shows the maker's mark influence in the heart of Dave. Yeah. Right. It, it is a fantastic whiskey and perfect for here. But my favorite was the one that came in third. And I'm like, we absolutely have to find a way to bring that to Chicago because I need some bottles. So I'm trying to whip up the club to say, let's start this pick and let's get the one that I want. And luckily, luckily, we voted. And that's the one that ended up getting picked because wow. it is yeah. a phenomenal whiskey. Yeah. Then uh, you guys are following it up with a, probably the most special bottle of Star Wars to ever come to America. So, <laughs> with your Tawny cask, uh, yeah. which I say something about that barrel. Oh, you know, the reason why the Tawny barrel we keep talking about it, it's a really great whiskey. Don't get me wrong, but the reason why I'm so ha I'm so happy it's going to you guys is because when I was over in Australia almost four years ago, my first start at the brand. Kind of doing my whole immersion into Star Wars, I 
I, I'd only tried Nova and Solera at that point. I, I think maybe I had, I had to drop a twofold. But, you know, I was kind of taking a chance on like this brand that I didn't really know much about. And it's all the way across the world. But I'm over in Australia getting that full um, introduction into our distillery, our distillation process, try, not, trying all these whiskeys I had no idea even existed. And I tried this uh, tiny barrel that was a four years, two months age at cast strength. And it, it was the whiskey that made me like want to fall in love with Star Wars. I was like, okay, I made the right choice. We're doing a private event up here. We're doing a, yeah. Um, but uh, and I was like, oh, this tawny barrel is absolutely incredible. And if we have more things like this, I can see where Star Wars is going to grow in America and kind of match the taste buds and the palate of Americans. So once again, I'm glad it's going to you guys. Uh, we have one last dram to try tonight, which is from Drammers. It was one of our first single barrels ever sold in America. I met this character named Charlie Prince back in New York. Um, yeah, it's delicious. Uh, it was uh, at an event in New York. It was the day before I actually left Australia. I met Charlie. He came up to me. He's like, you work for Star Wars? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Who are you? Um, no. Uh, so anyway, so we start, ch we start chatting. And one of my sales reps from Southern comes up to me and goes, what were you talking to him about? I'm like, oh, just, just chatting. And he's like, said he's in some club and wants to maybe buy a single beer. I was like, I've been trying to get a hold of that guy for like a year. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. Well, you know, my Chicago charm will raise him on thick in New York. So we start talking. And a few months later, someone's like, hey, um, do you have that guy's email from that event in New York? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. His name's Charlie. We talk every once in a while. So um, what evolved was that he ended up buying a single barrel from Star Wars. I think it was the first club that ever purchased a, a Star Wars single barrel. Total Wine in Texas had bought a few single barrels before then. But this is like very beginning, day, very beginning days of Star Wars. And you kind of can see it through the label. It's a white label. Um, we didn't really have a single barrel. We did not have a single barrel program at this point. So we were just kind of throwing together stuff. And it came out to be this ex-American oak barrel that we were mostly selling off of single barrels because we thought it matched the American palette best when it came um, to having Star Wars out there. About three and a half years age, cash strength, probably around 112-ish, I want to say, proof. Um, but yeah, a, a really great introduction to like what Star Wars was in the initial stages of our single barrel program, and then kind of to where it's going. So we're kind of going in reverse order in that sense, but. Do you remember who picked it for, for Dreamers? Because oftentimes I'll get the club members I think it was a club tasting. Um, I don't remember exactly. Our New York team at that point was taking care of everything. So, by the way, talking to Charlie, this was supposed to be like Christmas 2020. He called me on Christmas Eve and he's like, hey, can we still do this? And I'm like, yeah, can we like talk like after the holidays? And he's like, like yeah. He's like, you know what? Yeah, it's coming up, isn't it? I'm like, well, it is Christmas Eve, but, you know. Um, I, I love his passion for everything. He's great. He's the greatest. Yeah. So, uh, this is a Drammer's Barrel pick. I, I think he still has a few left. So um, enjoy it.